It's a brand new day, and we're putting the AM in American politics. We've seen the darkness of division and despair and are now jumping into the light of a bright path forward. Progress is here, and we're sharing its story with you, for you, all with the help of Signal Boost. Now, here are your hosts, Zerlina Maxwell and Jess McIntosh. Welcome to Signal Boost. I'm Zerlina Maxwell, and I'm here with the director of the much, much talked about Framing Britney documentary. Samantha Stark is here, uh, and she, we, we were chatting before we came on air about uh, the breaking news this week uh, in the conservatorship case with Britney Spears. And I just wanted to get her you know, reaction to the news and any misinterpretation you see in our processing of the news so far. Um, so what, I, what I've been seeing lately is news that the judge denied, um, rem, uh, remo- I've heard judge denied removing Britney Spears's dad, judge denied um, terminating the conservatorship. Uh, It's really confusing because this filing came out yesterday, um, but it was actually from a decision made in November, 2020. So in November, 2020, Brittany's dad, um, Brittany had filed to remove her dad completely, or I guess that's not true. Uh, In November, 2020 in court, Brittany's court-appointed attorney, Sam Ingham, had asked for an immediate suspension of her dad uh, as the conservator of her estate. The judge denied the immediate suspension, even though that was the same court hearing where Brittany said she was afraid of her father, and her mom's lawyer communicated the story that her father said Brittany was like a racehorse and should be handled like that. Um, And so after all of that was said, uh, her court-appointed attorney asked for an immediate suspension. The judge says there was no grounds for that in her opinion, but she would be open to if he filed an official term like suspension termination of her father is what it would be called because suspension is temporary. Mm -hmm. Um, And actually her lawyer has not filed that yet. It's been seven months. Um, But the judge ruled that Bessemer could be the co-conservator, Bessemer Trust, that's a big trust uh, Mm -hmm. fiduciary, could be the co-conservator. And so actually uh, the filing that came out yesterday was the official paperwork from November going through with that official decision. So the judge did not deny Brittany's termination. She did not deny anything new. But the notable part of that for me is that it took seven months for it to happen. Mm. And yeah. That says about the court system. Well, that's actually a question I've been asking myself all week in a lot of different contexts, right? I mean, we, we even had news this week about Bill Cosby. And I've been just thinking about just the ways in which the court system comes up short in ways we think it shouldn't, right? Because it's there to get justice, get remedies, protect the vulnerable. At least we, that's what we think, right? So and even in the case of Brittany, um, for me, it's like, I, there's, I don't know everything about this case. None of us do, I think, right? Unless you are in, you are one of the people directly involved. But that's still being said, no matter what happened in the original filing back when they first did this conservatorship, there is so much time that has passed and so many things that have happened that make me say, why is it so hard to undo something in the court system? Is that a question that you're, you're often asking yourself as you sort of, you know, respond to the the fallout of your documentary and really the new conversation that people are having right now about this case? 
Oh, absolutely. There's so much bureaucracy and it, it appears like this judge um, is following, you know, everything down to the, the minute uh, things in the rule book. Like, for example, Brittany spent 23 minutes last week asking to terminate the conservatorship, um, really laying out all these very specific of examples of abuse she's saying she su suffered under the conservatorship, really extreme examples like uh, being forced into a mental health facility, being forced to perform, um, being forced to take drugs against her will that she felt like were not helping her and were hurting her. Um, she mentioned lithium specifically. She talked about having an IUD that she wasn't allowed to take out um, and wanting to have a baby, but feeling like they were making her take birth control. And also she talked about retaliation that she faced. She felt like these things were punishments. She talked about them taking visits with her kids away as punishments. So these are very serious allegations, but right. nobody in the courtroom, the judge and several lawyers congratulated her for the courage it took for her to say that. Um, and she said, you know, I told you this two years ago, which we know because we did an investigation that we published the day before I worked for the New York Times. So we did a written investigation where we obtained confidential court documents. And we saw that Brittany said basically what she said to the public two we uh, last week to in court to all those lawyers and the judge, the lawyers that worked then. Um, and she said, you didn't listen to me. Like, I didn't feel heard. I felt dead. Um, and uh, it it really like all those things you would think if someone alleges abuse, there would be a protocol to immediately investigate it. But no one even right. said I could I could understand why Brittany said she felt dead because she's for 23 minutes talking about this and no one acknowledges it. Not any lawyer says, let's call for an investigation. Um, the judge doesn't say that. So it doesn't appear like there's protocol in place. And it also doesn't appear like there's protocol in place to protect her from retaliation, and right. which she said she was suffering and which makes a lot of sense because mm -hmm. this uh, system takes all the rights away from somebody. Like she can't choose her own doctor. She can't choose where she lives. Very importantly, she can't choose who she interacts with. So that's why there's such a tight circle around her that um, like, I can't talk to Britney Spears. No one can mm -hmm. talk to Britney Spears unless it's approved by her conservators, um, which it appears they have not been approving uh, very many people interacting with her. So she compared what was happening to her to trafficking. She's said, I'm being isolated, I'm being right. drugged, I'm being forced to work. Um, and, you know, Britney is a really high profile case, but we don't know how many people are under conservatorships or guardianships is what it's called most other places, because there's nobody counting. There's no official, there's not even official rules, like it can change county to county. Yeah. Um, so we don't know how many people this is happening to. But to your point about it doesn't seem like you can undo it. It really doesn't with this. It seems like, uh, you know, most people, this is meant for people at the end of their lives with dementia. Yeah. Um, mo most people in conservatorships die in them. So it doesn't appear like there's a way to undo it, which feels shocking because of the like huge allegations of abuse she's making. I weirdly know a little bit about conservatorships because um, we have one for one of my family members. And I it was a thing that you, we just, happen to be in the state where you need that to, to be able to do certain things. And on the one hand, I see how this is really a good thing. This is really necessary for someone who is, you know, uh, dealing with dementia or completely disabled and unable to, you know, handle their financial 
uh, you know, responsibilities, stuff like that. But that's not what we're talking about in this case. Have you learned anything throughout the process of uh, making the documentary or since as to why she's an able-bodied person who is under a conservatorship? Is Has anyone ever explained that part of it? Because for me, it's like, again, going back to like whatever original reason, they were like, this is definitely necessary and gonna protect everyone involved and is good for everyone involved. She is, it, I couldn't do a Las Vegas show. So obviously she is more able-bodied than I am. What, what is the rationale that is that people are putting forward? That's the big issue. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, Brittany, uh, within two months, I think it was even six weeks of her, the judge granting her father this temporary conservatorship, um, you know, the, the things that it says on the form that you submit for a conservatorship, the boxes are cannot provide uh, food, clothing or shelter for yourself. Um, and that's for the conservatorship of the person which she got. Um, and for the estate, which is very questionable, it's um, susceptible to undue influence, meaning um, I think like it's kind of meant that if someone has dementia, there could be people who come and try to get them to change their will to mm -hmm. a stranger, you know? So I think that's what it's um, trying to protect against, but uh, the, the rules are like um, unable to manage your finances, but consistently not like a one-off uh, event or a short mm -hmm. period of time. Um, so it's very questionable that she's uh, guest starring on national TV two months after this temporary conservatorship goes into place. She uh, releases an album and, and starts working on an album. She starts a tour of a hundred shows around the world. Um, and so she made this point in court, like not only am I providing for myself, I'm providing for everyone on the tour and she's paying all those lawyers. There was, I believe 11 lawyers on the call uh, representing her, her father, her uh, new temporary conservator, Jody Montgomery. Um, and she pays everyone. So she's been- She's paying, paying the lawyer. Yeah. She's paying her dad's lawyers. Yes, that's a quirk oh of God. the conservatorship system. She's been paying it the whole time. So she's paying, she has one lawyer that she didn't choose because the judge uh, deemed her incapable of hiring a lawyer. Uh, and the thing is, it, we talked to so many experts and it doesn't appear that there's an actual standard. So it feels very subjective because everyone has a different answer um, as to like why you would deem someone incapable of hiring a lawyer. And we know from court documents, February 1st, 2008, the very same day, that Britney's father applied for the conservatorship, this court-appointed attorney Sam Ingham was appointed. So it like it doesn't feel like they're uh, operating down to the letter of the law because the letter of the law in the documents that I've seen says you're entitled to to hire your own lawyer unless you're deemed incapable. But Sam Ingham was assigned the day the petition was filed. Right. So how do they know she's incapable? And he's been her lawyer for 13 years. We released a story the day after she spoke about how, how much it appears that he's not been advocating for her, which is his whole job. She said she didn't know she could petition to end the conservatorship, um, which was really surprising because that's Sam Ingham's job. He's supposed to, she, you know, we saw in these confidential documents, she's been expressing over and over and over again um, since at least 2014 that she wanted out of the conservatorship. She's, she's communicating through him and to the court directly, what do I need to get out of this? I want to terminate this. I want to get married and have a baby and retire. I don't want to do this. And uh, 
the kind of party line has, since all of this is behind closed doors, the only thing that the public knows is kind of what her team is portraying and her dad's lawyer is saying specifically, in 13 years, she's never filed a petition to end the conservatorship and she's had this right the whole time. That's what, that's like their party line. So that implies that Brittany's perfectly happy with it when we know she wasn't. And she just mm-hmm. said she didn't even know she could file a conservatorship because she's right. asked. And the thing that happened was at the end of the hearing in, on the 23rd, um, the judge said, uh, I need an official petition to end the conservatorship. And her lawyer said, I need to consult with my client to see if she wants to uh, wants one. And there still has not been one filed. So it's like, I mean, all the lawyers get paid as long as she's in the conservatorship. There's so many spaces for conflicts of interest. Um, her lawyer who was assigned to her that she didn't choose has made at least $3 million like part-time from this job. And not to mention the lawyers her father hired uh, to fight against her wishes to remove him charged just one set of lawyers because he has like more than one set of lawyers charged $890,000 for four months of work, which is about $10,000 a work day of Britney's money to fight against her wishes. So it's all in plain sight. Like all of this is in plain sight. Oh my and goodness. it's like, what is, I mean, we just, oh we just saw that it took seven months for a decision made in November to take place. And they've kind of like uh, misled the public into thinking like, oh, this, this uh, trust company is already the co-conservator, but right. apparently it wasn't until yesterday. We were surprised when we saw that too. Um, I, wow. It's, it's so infuriating actually, because the thought of people making money off of her trying to get out of this, right, is, is like actually grotesque. There's something really gross about that. Um, <clears throat> are all these lawyers men? Because that would even be no. Um, not making any assumptions. Um, but it's just this is, feels gendered. Do, does it feel gendered to you? Do, do you Absolutely. think that a male celebrity would be in this situation for this amount of time? In my opinion, absolutely not. I mean, I think something that we tried to show with our documentary is how the misogyny she faced throughout her life um, feels like it made it way easier for uh, this to happen now. I mean, her her literal father has been in charge of her. Like you talk about the patriarchy, it's Mm -hmm. actual father. Um, And this whole idea that Brittany is a mess. She needs someone to tame her and she's, um, she's having meltdowns and her daddy needs to come in and and take care of her. I, I think is a, you know, we can believe that because our culture has allowed uh, people to treat her like that her whole life publicly. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I don't think it would happen to a man. The interesting part is I think that that kind of misogyny can seep into any gender. Um, Most of lawyers are women. Her father's three main lawyers are women. Um, her con- current conservator's lawyer is a woman. The judge is a woman. Um, but it does feel like the misogyny she's faced is like really seeping into all of this. And also just uh, the media's imagery of her. Like I really think that that photo that photo of her shaving her head and the one of her hitting the paparazzi's car with an umbrella. To me, it like seeped into you know yeah. everyone's consciousness so much that. I would not underestimate how much that has affected the decisions that were made to put her in a conservatorship. This is my mm-hmm. um, theory. 
you know, it, you can't prove if this is factual or not, of course, because it's, uh, but I mean, those pictures, uh, I talked to the Us Weekly photo editor who originally put those head shaving photos out there. And he said, like, it's the part of the success of it is how many people saw it. And like, mm. he was like, I don't think there's anyone in America who has, hadn't seen that photo and probably anyone in other country, in a lot of other countries too. So um, that was part of what we started doing with the documentary is trying to see what was outside of that, the, that frame. And, and it appears that what's outside of that frame is still happening now. It's so scary to think about how that series of photos would, es would establish a narrative that has such damaging impacts for like decades after. Um, especially because even in the film, I had a new understanding of what actually happened that day um, based on, you know, the paparazzi who's sort of nar narrating what was happening. And like, honestly, I might've gotten the umbrella out myself. Like, I, I just feel like, I think we too often are like, you know, we look at the photo, we're like, they're losing it. But like people running, chasing you down the street isn't a really fun experience, no matter who you are. Yeah. And if you are in a stressful situation or they're following you around in cars and cutting you off, I mean, it, do, it is a scary thing as well. I mean, do you feel like as a member of the media yourself, do you feel like the documentary has created a space for the media to reflect on their own behavior and how they contributed to the narrative that put Britney in this situation? Oh, absolutely. I definitely think that. I mean, one thing that we're, we keep trying to reframe everything and, and even, you know, we have to convince people um, all the time, even to, you know, remind everyone to reframe this because people, it's been like one person reports something and then the other person reports something based off that. And, and, you know, you see that happening today with the, mm -hmm. that court filing. Um, but you know, we like, even as simple as instead of saying Britney's very public meltdown, that's like the phrase that everyone around the world uses. Um, I like to reframe it to say, you know, Britney was humiliated by the press and stalked by the paparazzi. Um, she was going through a custody battle at this point. And like all of those things are the things that feel more important um, that helped that uh, maybe led her to this place. Um, and I think you know, she said in court yesterday or yesterday, last week, um, that her she felt like her kids' visits with her kids were being used against her. Um, and I think we can't underestimate how much that custody battle that was happening affected her. She's a real person. She wanted to be a mom her whole life. She, you know, since she was a teenager, she talked about how, how she wanted to be a mom. Her kids are so important. And this is like a woman who was devastated and in, in like the most vulnerable time of your life if your kids are being taken away and there's men stalking her everywhere she went she said she felt right. trapped in her home um but your question about the media reframe or the media yeah I definitely think it was a moment for all of us to reflect on how um how much our words and framing can can affect people um and, you know, there was a hashtag, we are sorry, Brittany, trending on Twitter right after the film came out, um, which was very moving to me um, because it showed like regular people confronting their um, complicity in it and, and media people, a lot of media people too. Yeah. I mean, we, we all did. I mean, we, when I think about the things I would think when I was, because I'm the same age as Britney Spears, when I think about 
I mean, I actually liked her as a, like, I liked her music. I like pop music. Um, and so, you know, I was a fan, but I wasn't like a diehard fan. So I even thought some of the negative things about her. And then, you know, maybe I was like, I'm team Christina or whatever stupid thing like you did then because they pit all of the pop stars who are women against each other in that way. And everything was a cat fight. Um, I think we only have one more minute. Do you think we're doing better? Have we, have we, are we doing better now in terms of how we're, covering female celebrities who are in these similar situations? Um, I hope so. I mean, I think one thing that's changed is, um, is social media. Like people, if, if, a, if a misogynistic, you know, co interview comes out, there's people that can respond to it in real time. Before it was like only gatekeepers, uh, you know, showed you, what you what you were seeing so I feel like that helps in general and I wonder if that happened back then if there was like immediate response from people if it would have changed I don't know um I mean yeah I hope so I uh, yeah. I hope so <laughs> yeah. we all we're fingers crossed right because when we watching that documentary was like man we were terrible I, I mean I, the 90s were rough for for in a lot of ways but then there was also like TLC and Missy Elliott so there was other things happening it's just a, we're we're complex us human beings um Samantha Stark New York Times reporter and uh director of Framing Britney uh the documentary that we've all we have all seen at this point and I think um we are still processing as uh your film has become breaking news so we'll we'll hopefully have you back even if there's an update to the story and we hope that they free Britney soon. I want, I, I'm, I'm free Britney, for real. Like, um, there were some funny tweets this week about, uh, we asked you to free Britney and you are freeing all of the wrong people, um, which I thought was just a small chuckle that I needed. Um, so thank you, Samantha, uh, for joining us. Thanks for listening to the Signal Boost Podcast. We'll be back tomorrow with more news.